do here in Ezekiel. Uh, before that time, lots of uh, important things for us to study and think about. I appreciate your uh, longevity, your continuing uh, in the study. I realize that uh, after a while your head hurts from thinking so much, So, uh, but I appreciate uh, that a lot. and encourage you to all of us to, to be able to do this. So, um, there is a kind of companion chapter, Ezekiel 35. Is basically a prophecy against Edom, the Mount Mount Seir, which was in Edom and so forth, and then Ezekiel 36, which is a prophecy about the mountains of Israel, ultimately prophecy of blessing to the mountains of God's people and of punishment to the mountains of the Edomites. You understand the Edomites are the descendants of Esau, and there's been perpetual animosity, enmity between Edom and Israel. So Edom kind of represents the enemies of God, enemies of God's people. So uh, I think we'll read the whole thing. We're going to read uh, Ezekiel 35. For the word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, present your face mount against Mount Zeal, and prophesy against it, and say to it, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against Mount Zeal, and I will stretch out my hand against you. And I will make you a desolate, a desolation and become a waste. I will lay your cities waste, and you shall become a desolation. And you shall know that I am the Lord, because you cherished perpetual enmity, and gave over the people of Israel to the power of the sword at the time of their calamity, at the time of their final punishment. Therefore, as I live, declares the Lord God, I will prepare for you blood and blood shall pursue you, because you did not take bloodshed. Therefore, blood shall pursue you. I will make Mount Seir a waste and a desolation. I will cut off from it all who come and go, and I will fill its mountains with the slain. On your hills and in your valleys and in all your ravines, those slain with the sword shall fall. I will make you a perpetual desolation, and your cities shall not be inhabited. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Because you said, These two nations and these two countries shall be mine, and we will take possession of them, although the Lord was there. Therefore, as I live, declares the Lord God, I will deal with you according to the anger and the envy that you showed me because of your that you showed because of your hatred against me, and I will make myself known among them when I judge you, and you shall know that I am the Lord. I have heard all the divine against the mountains of Israel, saying they are desolate, they are given to us to devour. And you magnified yourself against me with your mouth, and multiplied your words against me. I heard it. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, while the whole earth rejoices, I will make you desolate. As you rejoice over the inheritance of the house of Israel, because of this desolate, so I will deal with you. You shall be desolate. Mount Seir and all Edom, all of it, they will, then they will know that I am the Lord. Let's underscore again the point that Edom had such constant enmity with Israel that Edom almost becomes a symbol for the enemies of God's people. You had that prophecy from the beginning that there'd be the animosity between the descendants of Jacob and the descendants of Esau. You've got a whole book in the Bible, though it's a short one, against Edom, Obadiah. And many, many prophecies about the Edomites, uh, always depicting them as the enemies of God's people. So if you're going to describe God punishing the enemies, Edom is a good way to do that. 
Um, so he says that, that I am against you, Mount Seir. Mount Seir is associated with the land of Edom. And I'll stretch out my hand against you. I'll make you a desolation and a waste. Why was God punishing Edom? Well, verse 5, you've had everlasting enmity. They've always hated Israel and have delivered the sons of Israel to the power of the sword at the time of their calamity. So this age-old hatred is meant that when uh, Israel was in trouble in the time of their calamity, that uh, uh, they stretched out their hand against Israel. They acted uh, to, to punish and destroy Israel. He says in verse 6, I'll give you over to bloodshed, and bloodshed will pursue you because they had been violent people against Israel. What goes around comes around, or in biblical terms, you reap what you sow. God causes that to happen. Not only that, but verse, verse 10, because you have said, these two nations, Israel and Judah, and these two lands will be mine, we will possess them, Although the Lord was there, they thought when the Assyrians took Israel into captivity, the Babylonians took Judah into captivity, ha, this will be our land now. No, nobody's there to inhabit it. They forgot about the Lord. The Lord was there. Uh, they couldn't just annex Judah because this was God's land. They saw it as an opportunity to add to their land inventory and God saw it as a front against his actual ownership of the land. Basically, Israel were just tenants, but it was still God's land. And therefore, God was going to deal with them, punish them, and so forth. In verse 12, Then you will know that I, the Lord, have heard all your revilings, which you have spoken against the mountains of Israel, saying, They are laid desolate, they are given to us for food, and you have spoken arrogantly against me, and have multiplied your words against me, I have heard it. So they had gloated over Israel's downfall. They'd spoken words against God. And here's the thing. If you are going to speak against the Lord, you've got to make sure he doesn't hear you. <laughs> he says, you talked against me and I heard it. You know, of course, that's going to be easier said than done. Uh, so God was going to punish them for their arrogant, blasphemous words against him and against his people. Uh, so as you rejoice, verse 15, over the inheritance of the house of Israel, because it was desolate, so I will do to you, you will be a desolation of Mount Seir, and all Edom, all of it, then they will know that I am the Lord. So, chapter 35, because of Edom's pride, because of their enmity against Israel, because of their attempt to annex Israel's land, because they're gloating over Israel's downfall, God was going to punish and destroy Edom, and Mount Seir was going to be desolate. Comments and questions on 35. Yes, John. How much of this carries over to modern day turmoil of that area? I don't know that I know the answer to that. You know, we have prophets in the Old Testament that tell us what God was doing and what his purpose was. I believe God still raises up nations and defeats nations. He still upholds principles of justice and righteousness. But I don't know what all God is doing. I wouldn't deny that there's still enmity between the inhabitants of that Middle Eastern region and Israel. Maybe that carries over to some extent, but exactly what God's doing, I don't know. Joe, you have a... 
I think the principle here of the fact that they didn't hate bloodshed, they spoke blasphemies against God, those are the principles that are pretty timeless. So any nation that would fall into that category, which certainly those places, as well as some folks at home, Sure. Yeah. Definitely. These are the these are the principles that God acts on, no matter what the nation is. People will be judged for how they treat His people. We're back to Matthew twenty-five. To the, however you train it, the least of these, you've done it to me. And so that that's important, Chris. Yeah. God tells us not to judge another master servant. rejoice when your enemy falls and do not let your heart be glad when he stumbles or the Lord will see it and be displeased and turn his anger away from him. So that's Proverbs 24, 17 and 18. Sid. Yeah. It's kind of gone to the strange place because you sort of expect to be back with the nation judgment. But it seems to be very much an extension of chapter 34. God is shepherding his people and part of that is to protect them, vindicate them, deal with their enemies. It's, it's popular today for people to say, why doesn't God do something about evil? Who says God doesn't do something about evil? Right. Yeah, he doesn't always do it in our time, but that's never been the case. Good point. Yeah. Excellent. Other thoughts? Kelly. So, it, this language could be used just as easily of Israel. So the only difference here is that God made promises to Israel? Well, I believe we are thinking in terms of now of Israel being purged and purified through this exile and the judgments to where we're now more thinking about the blessings for God's true remnant people and in contrast the punishment of the enemies. That's what I would say. It's interesting. He addresses them as Mount Seir. Geographically, they thought they were so well fortified, and they were. And they used that as a fortress to beat up on their enemies when they faced them. Yes, and you have the contrast between Mount Seir and the mountains of Israel in chapter thirty-six. I think that is part of the kind of the balance he's giving. Okay, look at. Yes. Uh, I just God. think that's good to mention that he's not doing this out of like this idea that God just like likes doing things like this. Like he he does this out of love and discipline, and he I mean he's doing it out of judgment also. But it's it's very like he's he really does care for us, and he cares for his people. Yes. So part of God's caring for his people is punishing their enemies. Part of God's justice and righteousness is punishing those who deserve it. It is sometimes hard for us to see the positive side of punishment and judgment, but it's the right thing. Justice demands that. Okay, look at chapter 36. 